Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prep Talk podcast hosted by myself. And tonight we have Nick Spizak on the pod uh, for our weekly edition of Nights with Nick. Um, tonight we are going to be going over um, something I see a lot of folks struggling with, which is establishing their priorities. Uh, we're going to walk through kind of what an Amazon seller at the beginning should you know, set as their priorities and then talk about our experience and what we see not only in uh, you know, the Amazon space, but then also um, on the corporate side as well a little bit. But Nick, uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, uh, happy to do this again. This is make this a repeat thing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it, it, I really enjoy the, the opportunity to, to glean a little bit from, uh, you know, what we see in the Amazon space where you have a lot of, uh, you know, younger folks that are learning and like with our, with our corporate experience, we kind of can, uh, see where there are opportunities and then, you know, help them learn tools that allow them, uh, kind of to, to improve. Um, but wanted to kind of start off with, uh, the inspiration for this episode. Um, you tweeted out, uh, I think it was last week, about the Eisenhower matrix. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what that is and how you leverage that? Yeah, sure. So the Eisenhower matrix, there's a lot of different frameworks that you can do for task prioritization. So I think before we even get into the framework, find something that works for you. And each each person, that's going to be a little bit different. So Essentially, how the Eisenhower matrix works is, and there's a, there's a plenty of pictures out that kind of show it. So for um, you'll ha have one quadrant that's going to be set up for your due column, and essentially what that is is you're going to organize across your your horizontal axis a sense of urgency. So is it urgent? Is it not urgent? And then down your vertical, you're going to have is it important, and is it not important? So if it's in your section where it's both urgent and it's important, then you're going to do that. You're personally going to do it. It needs to get done, it's important, and there's a timeline that's associated with it. So maybe that from a practicality perspective, you get a call from one of the boys and there's a bolo, there's something that you need to buy and it's going to sell out. So you're getting on the Zoom call, you're buying it, and you need to do it before it sells out. So that's an example of something that you would have that's urgent, important, and you're gonna do it. Now, there's also going to be the, th the items where it's important, but it's not necessarily urgent. So you're going to schedule those activities, right? Those are things that they're strategic. Maybe there's a new type of skill you want to learn. Maybe there's a book you want to read that's going to take you to the next level in your business. That's something that is clearly important because it's going to level you up as an entrepreneur, but it doesn't have to be done right this second. So... Think of it in that, in that lens. That can be a lot of different things. Apply that to your individual situation. Now, in the bottom half, you have things that are urgent, but they might not actually be important. And this is, we talked about in episode one around being able to leverage your remote team. These are items where you would delegate that. So you might have things with shipments, right? You want to put out an Amazon shipment. That's urgent because you already made a spend, you have money committed to that, and you want to get that turned through in your inventory. So that's something that has urgency, but it's not as important. So you could delegate that potentially to uh, someone in your remote team, put an SOP, a standard operating procedure around how to create your shipments or to respond to customers. So those are just some different examples of that category. And the last one is it's not urgent and it's not important. 
And those we just delete. They're get them out of your brain. They're taking up valuable cycles and headspace that you really don't want to be doing. So those are distractions. hundred so. percent. I think that the best work is the work you don't do. Like the stuff that you just delete, like, cause then it's just out of your headspace. I think that people will put a lot of pressure on themselves to do everything and that's not practical and you're going to burn out. So um, I see that a lot in like the corporate side because um, everybody's hot topic is important. But when you're operating in a business of scale, not everything is important. If it impacts one person, not very important. If it impacts a lot of people and it's a key feature or whatever the case it is, that's more important. So learning to say no is probably one of your, your best uh, skills that you will develop and then just putting in the delete column, and then you'll actually move the needle on things that, you know, add value to your business or move the needle in whatever endeavor you're, you're looking to go down. Um, but those are just my thoughts on, and kind of tying that into uh, a little bit of the corporate side that we, you know, work in. Um, but uh, what, uh, what do you, what would you say are, the like if you're starting amazon what would you say are the like most important things when you're starting like what should you prioritize and what should you defer a little bit and eventually uh address in the long run like what is an urgent what is yeah so urgent and important sourcing right do that prioritize that you'll hear like pete you and i will talk a lot about athletic analogies and things like that because we're ingrained in us so if i use an analogy of baseball that's hitting off the tee if that's hoops right that's being able to spend the time on the foul, on the shooting free throws, like whatever it is, those are fundamental skills that are core to your business. So if you're an Amazon reseller, sourcing is core to your business. So starting out, put that in your urgent and important column. And that's something that starting out is 100% going to be something that you're going to do. 100%. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Because if you don't know how to source, then your business is going to run dry. Like You're just not, it's not going to be a business. If you don't have like profitable products being bought and sold, you have, there's no shot. So we got to start there. And then we have to uh, kind of walk our, ourselves down into the, you know, not urgent, but important and get good at those. Um, so I think just starting with sourcing will force you to learn everything else. You, but you, you really need to start with the sourcing piece and then take care of them as, the, as they come. Um, what are things that you would feel like would be not, they'd be important, but not urgent? So things that would be important, but not urgent. I would say it's interesting because I'm kind of looking back on it now. And so now, in today's perspective, I would probably say, okay, do I really need to get uh, my buy sheet updated at the exact second, right? Like those, like, do I need to, do I need to do that right away? I probably put that as like, okay, something that I would probably more delegate, um, on one of those items where something that is important, but not urgent might be building the SOPs for, for my team. So that as you kind of go through those items, I think that's super key is just to kind of think about where you're at in your journey because things that I would prioritize where how I would evaluate something today would have been totally different from a year ago. Like yep. creating a shipment a year ago would have been in my due column because I never did it before. So right. 
if you have that, like if you haven't done a shipment before or more generically, any of those steps, those, those become the first ones that you do because mm -hmm. how are you going to delegate that or right. schedule it if you don't really know how to right. do it? So. Right. So I think you could, you could make the argument that learning is both like important and relatively urgent if you want to get to a point where there's, you know, a decent income coming in through the Amazon funnel. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned the buy sheet. For me, that was urgent and important because if I didn't do it when I was sitting there, it wasn't getting done. So, because um, if you just let that stack up, it becomes horrible because um, you lose all that context and you have to, you know, weed through emails. Um, but so what do you, what do you see, uh, you know, folks kind of struggling with when it comes to prioritization? Where do you think there are opportunities for folks to uh, get better at it? And then, you know, make informed, empowered decisions about how they kind of structure their day. Yeah. So I would, I would phrase that as like a two-parter, right? So if it's someone that's brand new, and really this isn't generic to brand new, but I think it affects brand new sellers probably more, is the, the shiny object syndrome. So yep. if you're new and sourcing is your due, bouncing around a lot to different sites like each site's going to have its own nuances its own coupon codes its own ways that you have to manufacture a margin and if you're bouncing around a lot like that you're not going to get you're not going to get good at the, those items so yeah. i think it's just focusing on one type of strategy whether that's storefront stocking just kind of stick with it until you kind of get a grasp with the sites that you like um that would be one there is is the shiny object and then the one that i would say as you start to become more of a, a seasoned seller, and I use that term loosely, right? Everybody's going to be on different stages of, journey, of their journey for that. But it, I would say it's probably giving up the control, the control yeah. aspects of things. For me, that was, you know, being able to give a virtual member of the team purchasing powers, right? To like that was one of the ones like, whoa, like that. This is a big, <laughs> but it's such right. a, an item that it freeze up your time like you spend a lot of time on purchasing if you can put the right system around that um yep. i think that helps and, and there's there's many examples where you know just being able to relinquish the control of the buy sheet or wh whatever you may be doing whether it's purchase uh, purchasing or responding to customers or some folks really like to do prep like mm -hmm. those any of those items would all follow as examples of that yeah um, i'd be curious though Pete, tell me a little bit about what you what you see in terms of areas where sellers are kind of struggling with with prioritization so yeah i mean i think giving up control it, that's a skill um and being comfortable with the fact that if you if you do outsource an item it's not going to be maybe to the quality especially the first turn um but it's so much better than doing it yourself yeah. um and i think that you really see the issues with priority um when folks are at inflection points in their business because it's new territory. So, you know, if you're starting your business, you really don't know what to focus on. If you're at a, uh, you know, if you're thinking about bringing on virtual talent, you may not know how to navigate that. And so then having a mentor is really, really important um, because they can then limit all of that, that shiny object syndrome. Um, I think generally though, um, a lot of people run around kind of with their like chickens with their head cut off, just trying to go from thing to thing and get everything done at once. And that can be something you do in a short sprint, but you'll actually be more effective if you slow down and you give yourself structure. 
Um, you know, I, I think on like the corporate side, and I, I just use this example, but when I send an email and I get a response within like five minutes to that email, I have questions. Like, <laughs> what do you, like that is bizarre because I, I think that it reflects a little bit of underlying insecurity and this need to demonstrate that you can do all things when in reality you are not able to do all things. Um, so like I, I batch my, my email. Um, so I'll dedicate an hour a day. It's on my calendar where I will review emails because anything that I'm getting an email about is not that important at the end of the day. Um, so I think that, I mean, that's a long winded, uh, thing that I see. And then, I mean, generally kind of going off that email example, I think everybody's super distracted. So, um, I just implemented this recently, but like turning off all the notifications. You're, yeah. you, if, you're get, if you're getting the notifications from Twitter and Instagram, you're doing something wrong. That's not good. Um, because I really don't care when the one person likes the post. Like, it's, I appreciate them doing it, but I don't need to be alerted to it. Yeah. Um, like, I love that they're showing love, but it, it's like if I, if I saw 50 likes on something, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, so um i think that those are like some tips is just like turn off all the notifications and uh communicate that that to the important people right hey i'm not going to be as responsive as kind of is what is expected in today's world um here are the if something's really important if there's an emergency or whatever here's how you get to me and i will pick up like i will i will be there um but i, I see that as, as some themes and some opportunities for some folks for sure so, Nick, I know that you are really well versed, um, not only from your corporate experience in managing really complex like software solutions, but then also you understand some of the uh, newer technology that's out there. Do you want to speak a little bit um, to like how you view um, work management and then maybe touch on some of the tools that you leverage to manage that work? Yep. Yeah. So with work management. I think one important thing that I would recommend in this space from corporate life and then bringing that into entrepreneurial life is keep it simple at the beginning, right? I think it's very easy to spend a lot of cycles on doing research on all the different types of available technologies that are out there. Yeah. To this day, like I, I put this out on Twitter probably too much at this point, but the four by six note cards, like they just work, right? So if a sheet of paper or whatever you have available, is getting the job done, then that's effective. Like start there. Now, as you get, as you start to get more tasks that are on there and things there, there are ways that you can make things more efficient, but a four by six, a piece of paper, whatever your mechanism, that's effective, right? It's going to get the job done. If you want something that's more efficiency, then that's when you start looking into different tools or software options that are available. Now in task management space, you can use something like a Trello board. We use those a lot in software development um, where you're essentially moving a task through different stages. And there's different methodologies that you can use uh, for these items in software. You'll hear terms like agile, which is a methodology versus Kanban, which Kanban starts to get into lean and things like that. So at the end of the day, it's a way to manage the flow of work and you can use something like Trello to help you with that, but it doesn't have to be that something sophisticated. We used at, at work for a long time and we still use it in other items, a whiteboard with basic stickies. <laughs> yep. Literally just move the stickies from one column to the next and it gets the job done. 
Yep. And, and for the audience, like the, these boards, basically they, they rep they have columns that represent statuses of work. And so you would have an example of like uh, thinking about it or like refining the piece of work. You would then, uh, so you're, you're gathering the details that you need to then execute it. And then you would move it to like, say doing, I'm actually executing the task and then I'm done with the task. So it just shows that life cycle of a task. And I think that these these boards are a lot more useful in particular when you have a team and communicating around that and visualizing the status just by a quick glance it, it can be powerful when you have a team uh we recently implemented that um and right now you know we're working through a lot of like user permissions and things that are going to disrupt that task it's going to block it it's going to prevent our team from moving forward um, so if we, if I can just go in for five minutes in the morning and say, okay, she's blocked here, blocked here, blocked here, uh, then I can go take then 15 minutes and go address those problems. Um, having that time slotted for that effort, knowing it's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. But really, yeah, we're just using this to communicate a little bit more effectively. Um, and I think that you probably can think more about it when you have that team in place. I think the four by six works. If you're starting a list works, a short list works. Especially for yourself. And I think you hit on something, right? So as you're scaling your own personal team, right? What, what type of areas would you see that you find relevant in corporate world that you'll use within your business for as your team continues to expand as well? Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. There's tons of lessons to be learned. Like you, when you're starting, you're not at scale. Say you're working that corporate job, they are at scale. They understand all of the problems, all of the breakdowns in communications. And so they put in systems. So what are we going to do? We're going to copy them and we're going to, you know, maybe tweak them a little bit to our liking. And then we're going to be more efficient and we didn't have to spend a lot of time looking for a solution. We don't have to reinvent the wheel um, at all. Um, so what are like some of the cool tools that you see that would allow folks to, uh, you know, maybe delegate or um, take some of those important but not urgent tasks and put them onto a team? Like, what, what, what are you seeing? I know you're tapped into the, the new yeah. tasks. So delegate can also be, this isn't on the official framework, but think of it in the same lens, right? Delegate can also be automated right? So yes. that's an aspect of that where once you know it, you optimize to where you want, then it's either automated or delegated if it's something that can't be automated. So if there's, that's where some of the tools can be super, super effective in that space. So Corey's talked about this a lot, like scribe, uh, scribe how. So taking a procedure that you've done, right? It was in your do column that you're getting ready to delegate you go through and you use that as one of your mechanisms to essentially go through the process of however you're doing a shipment or you're responding to a customer. And then that turns into documentation that you can provide to your remote team. Now, where do you store that documentation? For some folks, it might just be as simple as uh, a Word doc that you have in Google Drive. If you want to get a little bit more crazy with it, right, you could use something like Notion templates. So Notion's completely free. It'll give you an option where you can create, essentially it, it uses a lot of different things. It can be databases if you want, but it's a great place to store um, anything related to how-to guides and SOPs. And the beauty of that is it integrates with other tools really well. And 
it does it seamlessly in the sense that you don't need to be technical to use these use these tools. Connect it with super.so, right? Which gives you the ability to have it as a website, like a read-only website of that. So if you have a procedure that you want to share with your team, you could share the Notion template with them. Or if it's something where you potentially want to have it locked locked down, you could you know put some permissions around it and expose it as a as a read-only copy. So both those are just two examples of ways to use technology to do the optimization of your SOPs and then present them through Notion as a way to kind of store everything. Yeah, and I, and I really like the point about automation. And I think that uh, there are tasks that are gonna come up that uh, we should do them once and automate them through, you know, maybe a tool within an application that we're using, you know, we're sending a payment or whatever the case may be, if there's a cadence to it, like I, I think that it's underappreciated how much time, you know, if you're manually going and doing something that you could automate, like how much that, like that 10 minute task probably takes 20 minutes of capacity. And mm -hmm. if you have 10 of those, you're going to get very little important things done when I could use a computer to do it for me. Yeah. And then it's out of sight, out of mind. So, um, yeah, I think don't don't let those things stack up. Like if you have bills you have to pay, automate them so you never have to do it again because you're paying the bill whether you're clicking the button or not. So little things. Um, Spot on. And I, I yeah. think a lot of times we always hear the word, like the buzzy word, we'll just go automate it, right? But what's what's that actually mean? So yeah. to give, give some practical for the audience, right? You could utilize tools like Zapier or Make.com. Both of them are no-code options. Uh, they allow you to stitch the combination of tasks together. So if you have something that you've put into an SOP, a standard operating procedure in Notion, and maybe it's a flow chart or something like that, and you know that these are the five things that I do on a regular basis, and it's something that could be uh, done by, for lack of a better term, a robot, right? Those are good tools that you could take a look at that require very little technical skill outside of understanding how your process flow works. So that's something to, to kind of think about too. Like if, do I need remote talent to do it? Or is it something that I can have a robot essentially be able to handle for me? Right. And then, I mean, the, the non-technical automation is a pretty cool um, step, uh, at least I mean, from my perspective, uh, because I'm not extremely technical, um, but also be thinking about, you know, the maintenance that you may have to do with your tasks you know every time this is just you know a very broad statement but every time you create something you then will have a backlog of you know technical uh maintenance that you will have to eventually do so just keep that in mind you know um so th there's there's trade-offs and you know things change you might disrupt those processes but um just accept the fact that you are inheriting that if you do if you do these options um probably would still be worth it to be honest but yeah, that's that's a really good call out. Looking at it from a total cost of ownership perspective, not just the dev work took two hours. It's okay. Is the development work to automate that when you think of the maintenance items? Is that going to result in additional overhead that would have just been cheaper to have someone on your team go through and do on a regular basis? Right. So, right. Yeah. And then, well, and then you kind of get into um, 
something that you probably should be doing with your team is like having regular check-ins and having an agenda for those sessions. Because if you don't have a few points that you want to hit on, you're probably not, it's probably not an effective use of time. It's something that I push on a lot at, at, uh, on the corporate side is, you know, people fall into the trap of feeling that movement is equal to output and it's not like if you don't have intent behind what you're doing you should question that and then create like templates and formats um to really squeeze the value out of everything you're doing um you know i've uh, on the corporate side like I've, I've had conversations with some of the developers that i work with and i was like are you getting value from this meeting and they go no and i said okay then don't go like <laughs> if you're not walking away with value you're you're wasting time you could be going doing you could be leveraging a strength you could be learning something that'll help the team down the road so don't go i can give you the cliff notes if 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 it's that important to the to the firm or to to your business whatever it is so um again saying no is very very powerful and you have to be doing these audits of what is actually moving the needle for you what was the there's a term that they use i'm trying to remember out of the top of my head stop starting that's one of them stop starting start finishing there's some, I probably said it wrong, but it made me okay. think of that's a, that's one that's right in line to what you just said, where it's because you're you're limiting your work in progress for things. And if it's something that's mm -hmm. not if it's wasteful, it's it's a meeting that doesn't make sense to go to. It's a conversation you don't need to have at that point in time, then you're not you're not driving toward the outcome that you want. So it makes total yeah. sense. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, and I think that people like don't even recognize that they're not getting value. They're just like accustomed to their routine. Thank and you. so, uh, you know, every once in a while. Um, I was reading uh, Buyer Time Back recently, and they were like, go do an audit of everything you do and record like the things that you're doing on a 15-minute basis. And you're going to create a spreadsheet, and then you're going to go put a dollar sign next to the tasks that you were doing. Did they put money in your bank account? Did they grow your business? If they didn't, then we kind of get into the, the Eisenhower matrix of this is how we then gauge what we should be doing and what we should be delegating. So if we do that, we can probably course correct pretty quickly, but we have to be honest with ourselves so that we can navigate into higher leverage opportunities. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, Pete, I think that pretty much gives a good wrap for what we wanted to cover, cover today. I'd be curious for the audience as we continue to do these each week, what are some other topics that you're thinking about for us to cover. So there's there's different items that uh you know Pete and I have come across in our in our day jobs that probably have some relevance there. So I'd be I'd be curious to hear um for anyone that's uh watching or listening in different topics that you'd like to hear about. So 100 percent Well and if if you've gotten this far, we appreciate you listening. And like Nick said, drop a comment with something you'd like our perspective on and we'll catch you next time. That's good.